0: turn in your bibles this morning to 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12. I'll give you a minute to get there. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials which come to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when the glory, his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as, as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but... in doing good as a faithful creator. That's an interesting little verse there on the bottom uh, there. If the righteous one is scarcely saved uh, by the skin of her teeth, we're looking this morning, and we'll get into another verse shortly. That'll be that'll be First Corinthians. Chapter 10, beginning in verse 11, but we're, our teaching this morning is on temptation. We all all go through that every day, whether we like it or not. I'm amazed that when read read these verses, the words jump out at you, fiery trial, suffering, reproach, suffering again. And then in First Corinthians chapter ten, verse eleven, we get into temptation, which is what again what we're talking about. So what is the source of suffering and trials and temptations? And the answer is our pain our our flesh, our sinful flesh. We're brought about by our own misdeeds. And we're gonna get into this a little later, but What we do is we simply look upon something till it becomes a desirable thing even though it's evil or sinful and we sin anyway. We choose to. And that's not a good thing. The sources of trials and temptations, uh, the sins of others, someone has written that when a stone, a big large stone is thrown into the pond it's said ripple affects the whole pond well that's also a a ripple effect of sin is the same way and then there's happenstance we live in a world that is turned away from God and evil things happen in, in an evil world and just being in the wrong place at the wrong time can cause us to sin. But here again, we're looking at temptation, and the, the, what the ultimate source of temptation is—the ultimate source is Satan. Let's have a look at Genesis chapter 3 beginning in verse 1, see if I can get there, (laughs) takes me just a minute. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And this uh, has to be Satan in the form of a serpent. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God says, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes, she ate of it and gave some. To her husband who ate of it also but notice there that Satan says has God indeed has God really said that you can't eat of all that you you know you can't eat of that tree the aim is to question God's words we started. They're in the garden and it's still going on. The aim is to move Eve and all of us to disobey God's word. The aim is to bring dishonor to God and God's will in the eyes of men. The aim is to lead the unwary astray and as many into hell as possible. And He does that everywhere in every age. Strange, isn't the devil is a long, long lived being. The aim is to disgrace the believer's words in the eyes of the world in the eyes of those who might believe and be saved. Satan is still saying God's word is untrue still saying you shall not surely die and Still saying sin is the way of wisdom and of knowledge. He still uses nearby temptations to lure people into a devil's hell. Which by the way is not the, hell is not going not meant for human beings, but we'll go there because people will go there because they're they they do not believe in Christ. <laughs> They've neglected the way of salvation. I'll share with you this morning too something from Joshua chapter 7 the devil had very good success when he was dealing with Achan in the valley of Achor. If you remember the people of Israel had crossed the Jordan River dry shot the, the river stopped flowing so they crossed it they did and they were immediately confronted with the, the city of Jericho and interesting little story about that. Just the instructions from God was to march around it once a day for seven days. And on the seventh day, do it seven times and be quiet about it until that seventh time. Then everybody turned towards Jericho and shout, and the wall fell. Of course, a miraculous thing, something God, only God, can do. But there was instructions the gold and the silver in the city was to come into the house of the Lord and they were not to touch any accursed thing. But Achan saw set 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold, and a mantle of Shinar. He took a long look. He lingered over it. His fleshly appetite took over. Sin conceived in the mind was accomplished in the flesh. The loot was tempting. The loot was desirable. The loot was deadly. Achan suffered the loss of good conscience, good character of children. And was stoned with his children. And he have suffered the loss of the loot and the loss of life and the loss of the posterity. All because he was unwilling to wait on God's timing and God's reward. And also this morning you notice that uh, Satan had some success with Jonah. Now Jonah's story was kind of interesting in that uh, he was commissioned to go preach to the Ninevites. (laughs) He did not have a long message, just a few few short words, 30 days and Nineveh would be destroyed. He was uh, sent there to preach, of course, again. And he was commissioned, he lost, he was commissioned to reach a lost people to call the hated Ninevites, hated by him. And the reason why he hated them was he knew that one day they would conquer his own people. And he didn't like that. And so his idea was to get revenge uh, beforehand. So we know that Jonah slipped away, bought a passage in the boat, and went down into the boat. They went to sea, a great storm arose, and he was still sleeping in the bottom of the boat. That's not a normal thing to do, especially with a, a storm like that. But Jonah was found and exposed and confessed and was thrown overboard. And swallowed by a great fish. And a lot of people have problems with this, but I've seen some things that see that would absolutely swallow. Now they tell me can't ever whale, can't swallow you, but there's some that can. But Jonah was found and exposed and confessed and thrown overboard. He had played the fool, paid the price, and now he repented. At this point, Satan's temptations, evil work began to fail, for the God whom Jonah sought to abandon had not abandoned him. You know, and that's where we all are this morning, when we sin and stray away from the Lord. He absolutely does not forget us. Jonah's a great example of that. He repented in the belly of the fish. Jonah prayed. God heard and God delivered and it recommissioned him. Interesting. The, Jonah was vomited upon the shore by the fish. That could not have been a pleasant experience, being alive in the belly of a fish like that. But uh, he did depart from Nineveh, and he preached and witnessed a great repentance, a great deliverance, and a great mercy, and a great example of God's love. Because the Ninevites were not godly people. They evidently were ripe for a revival or repentance anyway. It never ceases to amaze me when I think about it, yet 30 days in Nineveh will be destroyed. That's not a long message, and that's all he preached. But the Ninevites heard and believed. Unfortunately, God's display of love and power only angered Jonah. And the Lord again had to deal with him. He had to teach him compassion, to have compassion for others who were not like Jonah. Now we're, next we're going to look at a man whom Satan found little room for. For temptation, we're going to look at Daniel. I, I remember when when the, I, I was first saved, I first came to the Lord. That was one of the books that was really interesting to me because there was there's so much prophecy in it. It's a wonderful book, and it's about a, a wonderful man. Now. The people of Israel of Judah were carried away by the Babylon by the Babylonians, and Daniel was part of that. And he was chosen to be educated by the in the king's palace. But Daniel purposed in his life; he purposed to, in his heart not to defile himself with the king's food or drink. He purposed to obey God. He purposed not to change his food or his faith. He purposed that though they changed his country, they would not change his character. He proposed that though they had changed his name, they would not change his nature. He was a partaker of the divine nature of God. In other words, he was a believer. Nor was it the only one. There was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They too purposed in their hearts to honor the, and obey God. And that's it's an interesting little bit about those three right there. was was the fiery furnace that they were pushed into. Another just wonderful, miraculous delivery that God. Accomplished. One of the things about Daniel was his prayer life. It was his prayer life that kept him close to God. And uh, those who uh, sought to destroy Daniel thought about if they ever were to destroy him, it would have to do with something about his God. So they moved upon King Darius or Darius to take a pick. I've heard it both ways. And he uh, passed a law, the law of the Medes and the Persians, if you will, that for 30 days nobody was to pray to anyone except the king. And that's kind of an interesting thought that he would think of himself worthy of prayer like that, that he, he was a god. No one's to pray except an under penalty, a heavy penalty at that. So Daniel went home, opened his window, and prayed as usual. And of course, his enemies saw to it that he was caught and thrown in the lion's den. But again, a miraculous delivery The mouths of the lions were stopped. And I I get the picture of 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 a a whole den of lions laying up and sleeping like a big old tomcat with him as long as he was in there. Daniel valued prayer more than physical life. You know, if we were to pray that much and that often, and read the Word of God like we should, we would probably be somewhere close to Daniel like that. I, at least I th- like to think so. Amen. Daniel had broke the law of the Medes and the Persians, but God honored Daniel with deliverance. And guess what happened to Daniel's enemies? Uh, the king, seeing that the, what had happened delivered them to the lion's den and the lions were hungry by that time. So just as Haman was hanged in the gallows and built for the Jew Mordecai, Daniel's enemies were consumed by the lions, which they intended to destroy Daniel. The Babylonians intended to change Daniel and his friends, but their godly example profoundly changed Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, and profoundly influenced the medio persian Empire that followed, and its king, Cyrus. Next, notice, someone who Satan found nothing in. And uh, that's... that's The story is found in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 1 through 13. Jesus went into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days. 40 days in the desert without food and having the devil hanging over his shoulder Tempting him I, I saw a movie about that one time that and it was really interesting in that satan was tempting him to turn the stones into bread and the devil was eating a piece of bread while he's doing it and smack it and uh if there's ever a temptation that was it also i read somewhere that Somewhere in the desert, there's flat stones like pita bread. And that's what Satan tempted Jesus to turn the stones into bread. I don't know that that's true, but if it is true, it's really an interesting story. The truth of the matter is, Jesus did not sin. <coughs> <coughs> Satan tempted him to misuse his power to satisfy his hungry or hunger. If you are the son of God, command this stone to be made bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, and good advice for us again. But with Jesus, there was no sin. Second, Satan took Jesus on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, if you bow down and worship me, these are all yours. Jesus said, You shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. He did not sin. Then Jesus brought, uh, Satan brought Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. The angels shall surely catch you. And Jesus said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. There was no sin not there nor not any other time no sin, no stain no shame and next we're going to look at the saints promised victory 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 let's see if I can find that No temptation has overtaken you, except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from my idolatry. I speak to you as a wise man for yourselves what I say. Judge for yourselves what I say. Temptations, there again, are, are common to all. We're not the only ones tested. We seem to think we're a special case, but we are not. We think that no one is as tempted as I am. And when you're tempted, you can look around and everyone has been where you are. You can count on it. Satan allows no one to escape free, and if, and if he doesn't do it, someone else will. And if that doesn't, if that doesn't do it, sinful self will handle it quite well. All men are tested and, and tempted at the point of their greatest. Weakness. And the Lord, the Satan knows our weaknesses. And the Lord does too, of course. <laughs> he knows us better than anyone. Everyone's got a weakness. No, we don't know. You know, don't we don't know. We look at the person. We look on the outside. We can't see the heart. We can't see the mind. But God can. And he makes a way of, 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 for us to escape it. Temptation can be conquered through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus makes a way of escape for us. He quickens our conscience. He gives us a feeling of guilt. Implants a thought, don't do this and may just simply scream, it's sin. He moves others to correct you, and by the way, that can be parents, friends, that can be anybody, and that's not always pleasant. I've been corrected a few times in my life when I knew I was wrong, and and it's just not a pleasant thing to endure. We all think we're wiser than we really are. And God just sometimes may just remove the circumstances. And the Holy Spirit for the saves brings scripture to mind, reminds you of the consequences and reveals to you the trap you're about to stick your foot into. He sometimes corrects the weakness in our character as we grow in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And that's something we all should work at much harder than we do. I tell myself every Sunday, next week I'm going to start a a regimen of Bible reading, and somehow or another three or four times a week I can do that, but somewhere along the way I'll skip a day here, there, and yonder, and the next thing you know I forgot the old thing. So it's not something we should do. And the Holy Spirit teaches us to judge ourselves. And finally, when we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. and He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And how wonderful that is! I remember the day that I was saved, and what a—I I walked on air for for a week or two before I come down. <laughs> at least that's the way I felt, and I still feel that way at times. The Lord is wonderful; He is good to us. Every good thing that we have comes from His hand. And we should serve him much better than what we do. And that is our message this morning. Let us pray. Father, we just lift our praise and our worship to you. And only you and you only are worthy of praise and honor. And, Lord, we thank you for your blessings to us, for your leading and your guidance, and we pray, we thank you for your word. And we especially thank you, Lord, for the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the, the Savior, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. What a wonderful Savior he is, and what a wonderful thing for He done for us on the cross. And help us, Lord, to remember this daily as we go through our lives, whether it be long or short. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.